we spend a ton of time, I mean, kids, for instance, spend a ton of time at school, adults, a ton of time at work. And in our society, work and school are supposed to look a certain way. And that way is not conducive to an ADHD brain. And so we are considered disruptive, troublemakers, out of control, that sort of thing, because we don't just sit still, pay attention and shut up. Welcome to the Tilt Parenting Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber. And today's guest is ADHD coach Margaret Crane Loria. Margaret is the founder of Block to Brilliant, and she works one-on-one with families dealing with ADHD, both in person and virtually, leads workshops, and recently launched the ADHD Video Club for Parents Raising Kids with ADHD, which Margaret will tell you about during our interview. I know that a lot of our families at Tilt have children with ADHD, so I'm especially excited to share this conversation with you. Margaret herself has ADHD, and her perspective on the gifts that come along with this diagnosis is so positive and refreshing. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and find it as inspiring as I did. To learn more about Tilt, the revolution for parents raising differently wired kids, visit www.tiltparenting.com. Hello, everyone. It's Debbie Reaper here with the Tilt Parenting Podcast, and I'm very excited to be bringing Margaret Crane Loria to the show today. Margaret is an ADHD coach and ADHD positive discipline trainer, a 30-year kindergarten through college teacher and specialist in parenting and teaching neuro-awesome students, I I love that phrase, (laughs) and the author of several books about ADHD, including Getting Schooled, 102 Practical Tips for Parents, Teachers, Counselors, and Students About Living and Learning with ADHD, and How to Train Your Parents in Six and a Half Days. I'm very curious about that title as well. (laughs) And she's also the founder of Block to Brilliant, Margaret's coaching practice where she offers workshops and coaching for parents and kids. So thanks so much for being on the show today, Margaret. Thanks for having me, Debbie. I'm happy to be here. So we have a lot of families in the TILT community who are dealing with ADHD, including mine, and we also have a lot to talk about today. So let's just dive in and we'll see how much we can get through today. Sure. I always like to start these conversations by kind of going back to basics and because uh, there's a lot of listeners who might be very familiar with ADHD. There are also a lot of families who are probably at the very beginning of their journey and just discovering what ADHD right. is and how it might impact their children and family. So. I was hoping we could just start by simply defining what ADHD is. So how do you define it? And and maybe you could also tell us, is there a difference between ADD and ADHD? Because we kind of hear those terms interchangeably used. Yeah. So depending on who you talk to, my definition of ADHD is it's a brain difference. So it's been documented that there are that our brains, because I have ADHD also, that our brains are different than uh, other brains, neurotypical brains. I suppose if you spoke to, I mean, there's two camps, really. You know, so some of them, it's a brain difference, and it's a gift, and it's wonderful. And then there's, it's a brain difference, and it's a disorder, and it's a pain in the butt. So, you know, if if you talk to a scientist, you're going to get a better explanation, but 
I happen to have a ridiculously positive Pollyanna view of ADHD because having worked with kids with ADHD for so long, both as a teacher and a coach, I really see what can happen when kids are, what's the word? I don't want to say intervention like a drug intervention, but an intervention in the sense of somebody comes in and helps the family. Somebody who understands ADHD helps the family to see what's possible and how to reach the kid or the teen. And when that happens, all of the negativity that you hear about, especially among adults who have been diagnosed as adults, that stuff goes away. Yeah. And and actually, I watched a video on your site and you mentioned that you were diagnosed as an adult, I think when you were, was it 23? 23. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you said you were one of the first adults to be diagnosed yeah. with ADD. Yeah. And regarding the name ADHD and ADD, so, so it's gone through a bunch of iterations. When I was growing up, it was hyperactivity, hyperkinesis, And when I was diagnosed, it was actually called minimal brain dysfunction. Wow. So yeah, interesting name. So yes, there was a period, there was a period of time where it was minimal brain dysfunction. And then it went to ADD, which is, which makes sense because it's attention deficit disorder. And so they would say ADD with hyperactivity or without hyperactivity. And then it turned into ADHD. And so now people say, you know, something like my child has ADHD without hyperactivity. So it's, to me, it's what's in vogue, you know, right now people are saying ADHD. 10 years ago, it was ADD. So who knows what it's going to be in 10 years from now. Yeah. And I know there are also differences. There's, you know, inattentive type and hyperactive and, you know, all these kinds of different ways that it can present. So Maybe, you know, would you mind sharing with us what some of the quote unquote symptoms are or more accurately, what does it actually look like in a child who has ADHD? So the party line, the official line about uh, the symptoms, the, the markers for ADD and ADHD are inattention, but some people call it selective attention. So it could be inattention or hyperfocus which, yeah, makes more sense. Because a lot of people will say, well, you know, my child can focus on video games, coding, football. So I don't think he has ADD. And it's like, okay, that's one of the hallmarks. So there's, so there's selective attention, distractibility, which, you know, a typical thing you would see is somebody who moves their head a lot, <laughs> like is constantly looking up or looking to the side to see what's going on. That's, really a typical sign. Impulsivity, which my experience is that the impulsivity is nonviolent. And in younger kids, it might be a bit harmful. You know, a kid might hit another kid in a younger kid, like three, four, five. But if your child is like six or seven or eight or nine, and there's some violence or aggression going on, it may be something in addition to ADHD, or it may be something different than ADHD. But impulsivity, you know, this is the best decision in the world, and I must do it right now, you know, kind of thing. And then ADHD, if they have the hyperactivity component, can look like anything from 
picking at themselves, scratching, which kind of sounds like another condition, but it, it, it's just a sort of a repetitive motion. It could be jiggling their leg, or it could be somebody that cannot sit still, has to walk around, has to touch things, that sort of thing. And then, you know, the issue is that ADHD occurs, co-occurs with so many other conditions, sensory processing disorder. You mentioned in your email to me, you know, uh, Asperger's or high functioning autism, as it's called, you know, OCD. I mean, so many others. So there is some overlap. Absolutely. And giftedness as well. Giftedness as well. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I think that's one of the confusing things for so many people, you know, when they're first looking at an assessment, and they get this feedback. When we first had Asher assessed, I think he was five at the time. And he was given some preliminary diagnoses of ADHD and pervasive developmental disorder, not otherwise specified. What a great name that is. And basically, the woman who presented these diagnoses to us said that technically speaking, you can't have both of these things that they kind of cancel each other out, which made no sense to me. But if you look now, you know, if you look at the markers for ADHD, you look at the markers for Asperger's, you look at the markers for giftedness, they're almost identical across the board. So it can be super confusing for parents who are just kind of entering this world. Definitely, definitely. Um, You know, there are some variations, but there is overlap. And there are other things that aren't conditions that can affect behavior and the whole impulsivity and the inattention. Things like going through a really bad time in the family. could be alcoholism. It could be divorce. It could be moving a lot. So it's really important to have somebody professional do the diagnosis. I emphasize this a lot with teachers and counselors because it's actually illegal for them to suggest that that might be what's going on. Everybody hear that? It is illegal for a teacher or a counselor or anybody at school to suggest to you that your child might have ADHD. They do it all the time. And I had people in meetings, in conferences say to me, but we've been teaching for 20 years. We know what it looks like. And I say, no, you absolutely have no idea what's going on. And I say the same thing to me. I mean, I don't, I would not look at somebody and just say, oh, they have ADD or ADHD. I mean, it might look similar, but I don't know. I'm not a medical professional. I am not a diagnostician. What do I know? There's so many factors that go into it besides observation. So it's really important if you're looking for a diagnosis to get a diagnostician to do it. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. And I do want to talk about this later, this idea of whether or not it's being overdiagnosed, because that's something that's being discussed a lot in the media. But before we go there, I actually wanted to just shift gears for a minute to talk about the stigma of ADHD. Yeah, I wanted to talk about this because I know that it is a big issue for families dealing with ADHD that they can't really ignore. And I also think it gets in the way of families seeking out support for their kids who may have ADHD and are struggling in school. And, you know, just personally, I think that ADHD, you know, and this has been my experience, it's often seen as a negative. You know, I remember in one of Asher's preschools when he was quite young, there was a child there with ADHD and she was kind of perceived as the wild child of the group and not in a good way. Like that was her reputation at that age. 
And then when Asher was five and we first had him assessed, and you know, I mentioned we received several preliminary diagnoses, one of which was ADHD. And I have to admit, I had this like negative knee-jerk reaction to that particular diagnosis. It's like I was more okay with the PDD NOS for some reason, but the ADHD, I was like, no, no, no. (laughs) So again, I think because I had this idea in my mind that kids with ADHD were hyper and out of control. So why do you think that is? Why do you think that ADHD is often seen or thought of in such a negative light? I think, frankly, it's because we spend a ton of time, I mean, kids, for instance, spend a ton of time at school, adults, a ton of time at work. And in our society, work and school are supposed to look a certain way. And that way is not conducive to an ADHD brain. And so we are considered disruptive, troublemakers, out of control, that sort of thing, because we don't just sit still, pay attention and shut up. And, you know, the truth is that we are not the majority, we are a minority. My big push in the world is to reframe ADHD as something awesome, something that we are the gifted ones. And just because other people don't understand us, doesn't mean that we're the ones that have the problem. And my goal is that someday a parent will get a diagnosis of their child will be diagnosed with ADHD and they'll be like, oh, this is so cool. I have, I I can't believe it. This is awesome. Because the truth is that we have the capacity, the ability to be leaders and creative geniuses and changers, you know, game changers. But that's also a scary thing for people, you know. So I had a client, I just want to give this example, um, because it's adorable. I had a client, she's in middle school, she was asked to write an autobiography. And she thought it would be a great idea to write an autobiography from the point of view of a goose, which is awesome. Like, come on, who thinks of that? And of course, she was asked to write it again because she didn't follow the assignment. You didn't do the assignment. And it's like, okay, you can't even appreciate that. That was genius. Who thinks of stuff like that? We do. (laughs) So just because you can't appreciate it doesn't mean it's not genius, doesn't mean it's not wonderful. And I think when a child gets diagnosed, the parent knows that there's, it's an uphill battle because it is. That's why I come in and, you know, having been a teacher and a school counselor, I know the school system. I know when they're saying stuff just to be, you know, sort of convenient for themselves. Like, well, we can't do that. Of course you can. Or, and I know when they're being super helpful. I know the difference. And so I can tell a parent, okay, this person is fantastic. Use this person. Or, you know, in rare occasions, this teacher is a horrible person. If it were my child, I would pull them out of the class, which schools hate. I don't do that. I mean, I've only done that once in my whole career of, you know, 10 years in this particular business. But, you know, it's scary for a parent and schools, you know, (laughs) think about it. You went to school also, and you have your own memories and issues around school, too. So, 
you know, when you get called into the principal's office, you get called into the principal's office like, oh, my God, what, like, what did I do? Yeah, you know, I just, I love the way you explained that. And also, you know, I mean, your your vision for reframing this conversation is so in alignment with what we're trying to do at Tilt, you know, shifting the whole parenting paradigm and even beyond parents, the whole paradigm of how we perceive difference in the way people are wired and that it isn't a deficit and, you know, it takes a lot of work, but yeah. I'm, I'm so glad that you're doing the work you're doing. <laughs> We're finding people through tilts, you know, I just interviewed someone for the podcast who's a dyslexia specialist, and she shares the same vision, but about dyslexia. And it's just really exciting to connect with these people because I couldn't agree more. But yeah, having kids with ADHD in a traditional school classroom presents challenges to teachers. I mean, I homeschool Asher now, which I've been doing for this is our third year now. And I get it. Like, my child needs to, he is in constant motion. And that's fine. At home. I mean, at home, it works fine. But right. It's tricky. Yeah, it's very difficult. Yeah. So here's the other side of that. I went to an alternative elementary school. Like, it's still considered, like, the best. And they did not understand me. (laughs) I was, like, too alternative for the alternative school. In junior high and high school, I went to a public school, and I really liked it. I liked having the structure. I liked knowing exactly what was expected of me. Because in the alternative school, you know, if you're told to write an autobiography and you write an autobiography from the point of view of a goose, hopefully they're going to be supportive. But that wasn't the case for me. I was called into the office a lot. You know, she's so smart, but she's not reaching her potential. I heard that. I mean, I didn't even know what potential was, but that line was said all the time. So in public school, where there was structure, and I knew exactly what was expected. It doesn't mean I'm going to do it, but that's. But at least I understand. So I really liked public school. But then I went to an alternative college, and that was fantastic. But it was because I had had an idea of who I was and how I wanted to learn, and so I could, you know, choose the school that fit me instead of, you know, just here's your school. It's alternative. It's awesome. Everybody loves it and it not working for me. Right. Different things for different kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just going back to this idea of the negative stigma that, you know, I think it pushes parents to be either in denial about what might going on with their child or worse, feel compelled to hide the truth because, you know, they're afraid of judgment. This year, I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body, and so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off. And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Symbiotic Plus provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. And it comes in this very cool minty delayed release capsule, which was specifically designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. The bonus is that the capsules don't need to be refrigerated, so I can easily bring them with me in my carry-on. 
On a personal level, I love that Ritual is committed to sustainability. They're a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable long-term to not only think about their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone. Our kids aren't broken and we have totally got this. The recently rebooted Differently Wired Club is on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com slash club. That's tiltparenting.com slash club. I hope to see you on the inside. And then there's also a lot of media out there about ADHD being overdiagnosed or articles that go viral that suggest that ADHD is a cultural thing or, or something that can be brought on by poor parenting. You know, the, the article that's jumping out of my mind that went viral a few years ago was in Psychology Today, and it was called Why French Kids Don't Have ADHD. I'm sure that you read that. Yeah. That article got over 2 million likes. And even though I think it was last fall, Psychology Today published a follow-up piece called French Kids Do Have ADHD. You know, it's hard to put the brakes on those ideas that (laughs) are shared so vigorously. Yes. And of course, also the follow-up piece was only like 2,000 likes versus, you know, 2 million for the original piece. What are your thoughts about this idea of ADHD being overdiagnosed? Do you think that it's being overdiagnosed? I think it's being overdiagnosed and underdiagnosed. <laughs> Say more about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there are people being diagnosed who probably have other things going on. And I've seen this in my own clients. They may have ADHD, but the prevailing issue is not the ADHD. It's something else. And like you said, there is a stigma and people are not getting their kids diagnosed because like I talked to somebody last week and, you know, her child said, oh no, I might have ADHD. And she was like, let's not jump to conclusions, you know, and I'm like, well, that would be awesome. you know. So it does have a negative stigma uh, for sure. In fact, if you look at a school, 
we are the only people that are asked to change who we are. You know, foreign students, English as a second language students are in the majority of schools. They're not asked to give up their culture. They're asked to take on additional skills for this culture. Kids in special ed, they're not asked to change. They're asked to learn additional skills. We are asked to change. We're wrong. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of it is clickbait. You know, I mean, I can write a blog post that everybody has ADHD. People like that, you know, all or never and makes them feel better. You know, I don't think everybody has ADHD because everybody, here's my reason, because everybody isn't awesome. So, so, like, I'm sorry. And that's the other thing is everybody, I mean, the fact that it has the word disorder in it does not help. And I don't like it, except that legally it makes it possible for people to get accommodations. But other than that, it's not a disorder and it's called a disorder. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to talk about medication because I know it's super divisive, but... I have a non-divisive answer. Okay, good. You know, just because what you were talking about, about saying that people with ADHD or students with ADHD are the only ones asked to change, it's reminding me of some schools I know of where, you know, at a certain point, the school says, well, your child needs to go on medication or they can't continue at this school, you know, and this is at private schools. And, and just to be open about it, because we're super transparent about our journey in our family. Right now, Asher is not on any medication for ADHD. We're trying other approaches to support him. And because we're homeschooling, our expectations are much different than if he were in a traditional classroom. But with that said, we do talk about medication with Asher, and he knows it's an option if and when he decides to try it. But for now, he says he'd like to try other things. And and that's great. But there was an article that came out earlier this month about you know where the, the Center for Disease Control in the U.S. came out with a warning that said that Americans may be over-medicating the youngest children with ADHD, and they're recommending that instead parents of young children, especially those under the age of six, try behavioral therapy first, and then you know if they do use medication at a later point, they do it in conjunction with therapy. So... Let's hear your non-divisive answer or, you know, your perspective on medication. So I think medication is a family decision. I have seen it work fantastically, including with me. I'm not on medication now, but I was on medication for 17 years. It was like a piece of me that had been missing that I thought maybe I had, but I could never grab it it was put in place. I've also seen it not work and you hear about it all the time. When the medication is the right medication and the right match, it will make you feel like a better version of yourself. If it's the wrong match, don't use it. I mean, if if you don't feel better, then don't use it. But I also believe that we tend to think of treatments like I'm going to take medication. But what we really need is a treatment plan and that can involve medication or not. It can involve coaching, uh, essential oils, homeschooling or not. You know, there are various things that will, and, and parents need to figure out what will work for their child. And that is hard as far as therapy. So I do a family approach. I coach the whole family because my personal feeling is that when you send a child to therapy, 
it singles out the child as the one that has the problem. And, and I don't think of ADHD as a problem. I think of ADHD as a difference. And when you coach the whole family, the whole family understands each other better, what their expectations are, what their needs are, so that they can get along better, so that they can channel their child, so the parents can channel their child's ADHD in the way that works for their child. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to hear more. That was actually my next question. I'm really curious about the work that you do with families. Like, what does that actually look like? And I love using the language of coach. You know, we just had a specialist in executive functioning on the podcast recently, and she also refers to herself as a coach. So, but what would it look like when you work with a family? Say a family comes to you with a child with ADHD and they're just kind of starting and they need support. What kind of work do you do with them specifically? So I get people that are starting with a diagnosis, but I also get people that have tried everything and nothing is working and they're just at the end of the rope. The first step with me is, I mean, you can, obviously you can sign up for the newsletter and that sort of, there's plenty of free stuff. But if you want to work directly directly with me, the first step is what I call a um, brilliant discoveries session. And the family fills out questionnaires so that I come into the meeting with a good deal of knowledge. I don't want to spend my time with the clients sort of just asking a bunch of questions. I mean, I like to get down to work. And based on the questionnaires, because one of the questions is, what have you tried before? So I come into the meeting with six to 10 strategies that they can implement right away. It can be anything from your child definitely needs more sleep to try feeding them meat. I mean, you know, there's just a range of things that, are, that can make a difference. And that can stand alone because a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, this, you've just given me a ton of strategies that I've never tried before. So that can stand alone. If they want more access, so to speak, there's two levels of access. One is sort of an all market all the time, premier level, which I only take two clients at that level at a time because, because of the time commitment, because I'm available to them so much. But there's also an hourly type of thing. Um, you know, I want to set an appointment with market for this week, and that's phone or Zoom. So it, you know, anybody in the world can talk with me. And, and really what I do is a lot of skills building. This is because the habits that we have that, and this is true for everybody, you know, the brain is accustomed to behaving a certain way and it doesn't naturally want to change. But if you keep introducing new behaviors, it will change over time. And those new behaviors become the habits. So I don't do anything long term. You know, it's, anything from a few sessions to three months. I don't go beyond three months. If you need more than three months, there's probably something else going on, or it could be a therapy thing. But it's really about changing the way the synapses fire in your brain. And it's non-invasive. It's not, I'm not doing anything except encouraging you, supporting you, giving you tips and strategies tailored to your family. So it's not like, oh, this works for everybody. It's tailored to your family, your schedule, your values, your needs, the number of people in your family, you know, all sorts of things like that so that your child can be supported and you as the parent can feel heard and understood and relief and hope. 
I want you to feel how awesome ADHD is also, not just your child. So, No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Yeah, I, lo- I love the work that you're doing. I'm just grateful that there, there are people like you out in the world. I mean, I'm such a huge advocate of people getting support when they need support, you know, and I, I feel like there were times in the past where I've had I've had like a team, you know, I had my team in all these different areas. Yes, but that's really, yeah. I love that. I'm all for that. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, it's so important that we get support. And I just love the way that you're working. And I'm already thinking, hmm, I, I have to schedule a session with you. <laughs> All right, we're kind of running short on time. So I just want to ask you one more quick question before we say goodbye. I don't know if it's a quick question with a quick answer. But if there are listeners who are suspecting that their child may have ADHD, what should their first course of action be? You know, what would you recommend that they do? Well, actually, what I would recommend is that they go to a natural path. Um, Here's why. Medical doctors are fabulous. I have nothing against them. Typically, a parent will go in this is what I've heard. This is based on my experience with parents. The parent goes in and says, I think my child has ADHD and the, and the medical doctor will either recommend testing, which costs thousands of dollars or a pill, a naturopath. If you go in and the naturopath will look at behaviors and symptoms and can treat the symptoms rather than the label. So I can give examples of that, but I know we're running out of time, but, uh, can you give us one maybe? Yeah, so um, so I had a, a client, and he he does have ADHD, but even more than that, he has adrenal exhaustion, and he ha- he has a diagnosis of anxiety. So, which kind of go hand in hand. So, to attribute, you know, if you were to give him ADHD medication, it might work, but it 
it's not going to do anything for his adrenal glands. And he's a teenager. Your adrenal glands need to work for your whole life. So they would be missing that. Okay, that's great advice. I have not heard that before. So thank you for that. I hate to say goodbye. This has been such great information and a lot of things to think about. And obviously, we could do an entire podcast series on ADHD. Um, We'd love to have you back on the show to talk about this some more another time. It's I know there's a lot of parents in the TILT community who have children with ADHD. And so I know this is going to be super helpful for them. Yeah, awesome. And for listeners who want to get in touch with you or learn more about your work, what's the best way for them to connect? And you mentioned before we started recording, also a very cool video club, a subscription site I'd love for you to tell us more about. So the easiest way to get in touch is to go to my website, blocktobrilliant.com. You can sign up for my weekly newsletter. It has a parenting tip each week. And those people get discounts on stuff, subscribers. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter, Block to Brilliant, or actually Twitter is Brilliant ADHD. And the the video club, I'm it's my new baby. I'm super excited about it. You go to ADHDvideoclub.com uh, conveniently. And you will be taken to a site where there are hundreds of videos about ADHD. You pay $15 a month and you have 24-7 access to these hundreds of videos. And they're very specific, like what happens if the teacher says to me, I can't do anything more? Or what happens when the school says you need to put your child on medication? You know, really, really specific. And they're separated into categories. Now, For your listeners, I would like to offer $5 off on that $15 a month. And this is a price lock-in. You will always be charged the same amount. So it will never change through all the years of your ADHD child. All you have to do is there'll be a coupon code. Put in the word TILT, T-I-L-T, in all capital letters. And you will get $5 off. So you'll only be paying $10 a month for the duration of your of your parenting an ADHD child or teen. That is fantastic. Thank you so much. I yeah, know I will be taking advantage of that, but I really <laughs> appreciate that. Thank you. And for listeners, I'll include links for all of the websites and resources that Margaret's mentioned on the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate this. I hope we get to do it again sometime, Margaret. Yeah, that would be awesome. I had a great time. Thank you. You're a really good interviewer. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. For the show notes for this episode, visit tiltparenting.com slash podcast and search for this conversation. If you like what you heard on today's episode, I would be grateful if you could take a minute to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or a review. Thank you so much for helping us stay visible so people who would benefit from the show can easily find it. If you want to support the show and help me cover the cost of production, please consider joining my Patreon campaign. To support the show, just visit patreon.com slash Tilt Parenting. Lastly, if you aren't already part of the online community at Tilt, I invite you to sign up at tiltparenting.com on the box in the bottom where it says join the revolution. Every Thursday, I send out a short email with a quick note from me, a link to that week's podcast episode, and links to five stories from the news that week that are relevant to parents like us. Again, you can sign up and learn more about Tilt at www.tiltparenting.com. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? 
Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.